Okay, if I can have the PowerPoint up on the screen as well, please. So you keep having me back to speak. I don't know whether that's because you find it really funny, me awkwardly laughing at my own jokes at the front, or if my jokes are marginally better than Andy's cheesy jokes, but there you go, I'm back again. There was a lot of yeses there, just so you know. (laughs) And it feels a little bit funny for me to be talking about this topic, because I tell you all the time, and those of you that know me know that I would love to be like the perfect housewife with perfect hair, dinner on the table to welcome my darling husband when he comes home, house spotless, children really clean. I don't know one power tool from another. So when I looked at the title and I saw Power Tools Part 2, I said to Andy, have we got any power tools? What do they do? And he brought a few out to me to show me, and if you know my husband, he's a real nerd. He gave me a lesson in all these tools, and I just went, yeah, that didn't help. (laughs) Put them all back away. You've made a mess in my lounge. Get them out of my way. And so it feels really funny to be talking about power tools, because I don't know. In our house, they're identified like the car by color. So Andy will say, well, you get me the drill, and I'll say, is that the green thing? Because I have no clue what any, any of the power tools in our house look like. But what I do know is that we've got a job to do, and we need the power tools of the Holy Spirit to do it. You know, in our impact groups, we've been talking about reaching people for Christ with the evangelism course. In our church, we've been talking about the Great Commission and how we've got this commission to go into all the world, and we can't do it without the power tools of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share with you this morning some of the things that God's been speaking to my heart over the past couple of weeks, and then I'm going to focus in on one gift in particular. So in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we know that we need this power to be effective for reaching our community for Christ. For us to see this church grow and this community reached, we need the power tools of the Holy Spirit because we can have the conversations, but only God can draw people in. We can pray for people for healing, but only God can do the healing. We can share wisdom from our own situations, but only God can share the wisdom that cuts to the heart of the situation that a a person really, really needs to hear. And so regardless of my ineptitude with power tools this morning, I'm going to share what God has been saying to me in the spirit. And this is a topic that I've been wrestling with again, as always, for the past few weeks, because I came to the Andrew Murray event, as many of you did, and I sat during the worship time and really felt the presence of God, and I really felt the Holy Spirit there. But there was a moment when I looked up at this small ginger guy, sorry, Andrew, if you're watching, and I said to God, I've moved in the same circles as him. I've gone through the same training as this guy. I've learned a lot of the same stuff as this guy. Why can't I see you move in power like you're doing here. And I ignored it for a few minutes, carried on worshiping, and then I went forward. And Andrew just stopped in front of me and he said, God says, my daughter, I've given you the keys to the treasure chest of the kingdom, but you're not opening the box. And it was a a real moment where God blew me away, where he said to me, I've already given you the ability to use these power tools, these gifts, but you're the one that's not accessing the box with the key that I've given you. And so if you're like me this morning, I'm going to share a few of the thoughts that God has been giving to me about accessing those power tools, and one in particular that opens the door to many other places. So I'm going to start with some general thoughts. First of all, this is me with a power tool if I ever did touch one, so no offense to any ladies who actually are pretty good at DIY. When I was looking for an appropriate image, I thought there were going to be half the women in the church that are offended by my very effeminate view of, oh, things are too heavy, I don't know how to use power tools, and they're going to be like, women can do DIY as well. 
and I'm sure many can, but I can't. Okay, so this would be me with a power tool about to soar off my hand. And so the thought I want to start with is that anyone can use power tools, but you need to know how to use them properly, not to do any damage. There's a great line in a Spider-Man film that I've been waiting for an opportunity to use in a sermon, and I bet loads of you know which line it's going to be, because with great power comes great responsibility. There you go. I've I've waited about 10 years to use that line in a sermon. Cha-ching. Okay, but God really spoke to me that for many years, I've been asking him for any and every spiritual gift with no idea how I was going to use them, or what they would look like in the congregation, or what kind of damage I might do if I used them wrongly. And I remember in my GCSE English exam, there was a moment where it said, what do you want to do with your future? Write an essay, which was a great question for a 16-year-old, because you haven't got a clue at that stage, have you? And what I actually said is, I want to buy a cottage in the middle of the woods, and I want to set up a home for those who need support with living in the middle of nowhere with birds around me, and for it to be really peaceful and a real place where people can come and just be refreshed. Now, I'm really glad that that's not what I did with my life, because for a start, being in the middle of nowhere, I wouldn't be able to buy eyebrow pencils, and I'd look a right show, and it wouldn't work with my beauty regime. (laughs) But secondly, if you know me and my cleaning habit, how I pick up a leaf the minute you walk in my door, those poor people who'd come to my home for respite would be driven mad by my cleaning the leaves off the floor constantly and them not being allowed to wear their shoes in the middle of nowhere. So I'm really glad that the things I was asking for I didn't quite get. And it can be the same with spiritual gifts. If God allowed us to have every single gift that we'd always asked him for without having any clue how to use them or without knowing the purpose of them and what they're for, we could do real damage in the kingdom of God. A friend of mine was once given a word of knowledge in a service that affected her life so badly that for years she believed that God couldn't use her. She went forward for prayer And the person speaking, whether it was badly worded or whether he hadn't heard from God at all, just stopped and prayed over and said, God can't use you because you smoke. And this person went away, and she genuinely believed that God could never use her. And in fact, as I watched this person, God was using her regularly, but she couldn't see what was happening because that word of knowledge or wisdom, badly used, used in the wrong way, really damaged her to the point where it took her years to believe that God could actually use her and had a purpose for her again. And we need to understand the purpose of the gifts that we're asking God for so that we know not how to look. We need to look through the scriptures and see how they've been used in the past so that we know not to do any damage with those gifts. This is a favorite book of mine if you want to do some study on this topic. It's called The Holy Spirit by David Petz. It's easily available on Amazon, but I've got a couple of copies if you want. I don't get commission for that. I've just got some at home. And it goes through the teaching on the Holy Spirit, the different gifts, how to use them, what they should look like, and what they're for. And it's from an author that really knows what he's talking about. I sat in lectures with this guy, just absolutely enthralled, because... The stories of the Holy Spirit at work in his life are absolutely amazing. How he'd seen God bring tongues into a situation that changed someone's life that was sat in a meeting. How he even saw demons leave people in church services. Absolutely amazing story. So you know that the author really knows what he's talking about. It's a really great book. It'll take you about a week to read. And it goes through the different gifts of the Spirit and how to use them. And it's really, I can't recommend it enough. It really, really enlightened me on the topic of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. So, thought two. And this is something that God has to speak to me quite a lot because you know that my life's really, really busy. Power tools need to be charged. 
Now, this is one of the things my husband first said to me when I said, have we got any power tools? What did they do? He brought the drill out and he separated the power pack from the drill and he said, it doesn't work without this. And at that time, I didn't get it. I went, well, that's not very helpful, is it? How is that relevant to anything? And I went away and I spoke to God and he said to me, power tools need to be charged and so do you to use the power tools of the Holy Spirit. And that works on two levels because first of all, Many of you know that my life is really very busy and many of you are in the same case too. So if I'm depleted, if I'm shattered from the week and I haven't made any time to spend with God to restore myself, then I'm not looking for what God wants to do. I'm not listening to the voice of God. I'm thinking, help, Lord, get me to the end of this week. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to get through my to-do list. We need to build in those times of rest in our busy lives to make sure that we've got a focus on what God wants us to do, the purpose for why we're here, reaching this community, reaching the lost. And we can only do that when we build in rest. So for the past few weeks, we've been saying that the weekend are a complete Sabbath for us as a family. We won't do any work on Saturdays and Sundays. We'll try and get it done on a Friday night. And Saturday and Sunday is a genuine time of rest. And it's been revitalizing. It's it's meant that the week has not been as stressful as it would have previously been. We're well rested. And if you try to ring me on a Sunday night, you won't get me because I'll be in a bubble bath, having a rest and having a prayer with God. And it's actually revolutionized my week and made my week easier because when we are fully rested, we're alert to what God wants to say to us and we are alert to what he's trying to do. But secondly, we need to stay spiritually charged and to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to ensure that we keep being filled with the Spirit throughout the Bible. In the Greek, the word that's used for be filled with the Spirit is constantly be being filled with the Spirit. It's, an, it's a continuous thing. It's not be filled with the Spirit once and that's enough to do everything that you need to do. It's be being filled with the Spirit every day, every moment of every day if you can. Okay, And without being filled with the Spirit, I'll be moving in my own strength and not the strength of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can't tell the difference to look because, you know, most of us have done jobs where we can rely on our own strength quite a bit and no one would know any different. But if we want to reach this community and we want to see people transformed in a massive way, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And to do that, we need to build in time where we go to God just to dwell in the presence of the Holy Spirit, not to go with a shopping list, not to ask for anything because there's a place for that as well. But we need to go and just dwell in his presence To quote Andrew Murray again, he says, being filled with the Spirit is simply this, having my whole nature yielded to his power. And when the whole soul is yielded to the Holy Spirit, God himself will fill it. So God was really speaking to me, you know, I've given you this treasure, but you're not spending time in my presence and emptying yourself so that I can fill you. You're full of everything that your hopes and dreams and the things you've got in mind for your family for the week. If you empty them out and make some space for me, I will fill you with my spirit and fill you to overflowing. Any space that we make for the Holy Spirit, he will fill it. And that's what we need to be doing to make sure that we're fully charged in order to use those power tools. And the next thought before I go into the spiritual gift I'm going to talk about today is that I'd always been asking, God, give me your gift. But a better plea would be, Lord, how can I serve you? Because while some people are used in one gift a lot and may become known for that thing, God gives these gifts, and it's really clear throughout the Bible, that the spiritual gifts are for the purpose of serving the body of Christ. They're not for my purpose. I was asking God, because I wanted to see his power at work in my life, to give me one of these gifts. When When I realized, though, that it's not about his power in my life, it's about his power to build this community, to reach the community out there, 
then asking him, how can I serve you has a better outcome. And the times when I've stood in church and done that and said, God, how can you use me today? What do you want me to do? I've seen God move more in power than any time when I've stood there and said, God, I want to use one of your gifts today. What can I do? Because it's about serving this community and building this body of believers so that we can reach the people out there. It says in Matthew 23, verse 11, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be the servant of all. So when we come into this place, it can be really easy to think about, I wonder if the worship's going to be to my standard this morning. I wonder if I'm going to get my usual seat. I wonder if I'm going to see people that I like. But it's about, how can I serve? From the minute I walk through that door, how can I serve this church to make sure that God's power is at work in this place this morning, to make sure that we make the right atmosphere for the spirit to move this morning and we reach the people out there there are many scriptures that talk about spiritual gifts but the main one is 1 corinthians 12 where we see some of the gifts lifted the gifts listed here and in power tools part one we saw barbara chadwick talk about words of wisdom and knowledge and today i'm going to focus on the gift of faith and i was really chuckling during the worship then because a lot of the songs are about faith And when I started thinking about what I was going to talk about, I didn't know which spiritual gift I was going to think about. I didn't know which one I was going to focus on. And when God said to me, faith, I kind of went, what am I going to say about that? Everyone knows what faith is. What am I going to bring on that? And then all the worship songs this morning really backed up what God's given me to say this morning. So it's quite exciting. Because I'm an all-in kind of person. If you've ever been to my house for a party, you know it involves masks, it involves dancing, it involves all kinds of things. You don't come and you don't just have a cup of tea and a cake. You have to dress up, you have to act, you have to do things. If I'm going to do something, I do something all-in. There's no half measures. I was just saying to Zia earlier, and if I get a haircut, it goes from long hair to an extreme shortcut. It's all or nothing for me. And God really spoke to me about how I need to transfer that same attitude to my faith. I need to have and all in faith. And that is what the gift of faith is this morning. All in faith. All of me, God. So what is it? Well, the gift of faith, it's different from simply believing God's word and trusting in Jesus and following him. Because we've all got this kind of faith when we come to believe in Christ. We've all got a faith that says, yes, I believe what you did. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you my life. But this supernatural gift of faith that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 is different. And it comes from a deep relationship with Christ And it comes from living boldly in Christ and not being afraid of the consequences of doing this. It's about, as we just heard before, putting the full weight of your life in God's hands and being all in. I used to sing the song by Robin Mark, and you'll probably all know it well, that said, all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. And when I think about this, there have been a couple of times in my life where I've taken those ambitions, hopes and plans back and I've gone... Yeah, God, I surrender that bit, but I'd quite like to do this with my life, and I'd quite like to study this course, and I'd quite like this house for my family, and I've taken them back, but that all in faith is continuously saying, God, I'm all in. You can have it all. You can have everything I've got. I haven't got anything that's worth holding back, God, and God really spoke to me that the difference between me and opening the power tools of the kingdom was being all in. It's about spirit, seeing what the spirit can do when things will be impossible, believing that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Jesus speaks of that faith in Matthew 17, verse 20, where he says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from there, and it would move. I don't know about you, but there have been mountains in my life that I've not told to move. I bought the weatherproof gear and camped on them. (laughs) And I've not said, 
you know what? I believe God can move this. I believe God can do something with it. I've said, how can I live with it? How can I make the situation bearable? And how can I make it better for the family to cope with it? And God really spoke to me about the fact that I'm not quick to say, mountain, be moved. And I, I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith that isn't afraid to say to the mountain, get into the sea. And there are great examples of people that had this kind of faith in what we call the hall of faith. It's a bit cheesy, but <laughs> I quite like it. In Hebrews 11, where it talks about all the people, and the phrase that's commonly used is, by faith, this person did this, by faith. It's called the hall of faith. And so by faith, Noah built an ark. How ridiculous that must have seemed to the people who didn't believe there was going to be a flood. And yet, God did what he said he was going to do. By faith, Abraham faced one challenge after another. And this, the hardest for me to comprehend, offered his own son. I can't imagine the kind of faith it took. Because if I could even save Zachary and Ben from getting a cut, I would jump and save them from it. I can't imagine the faith of saying, God, you gave me this child. Take him if you're going to take him. That is an incredibly supernatural faith, and that's the kind of faith I want to have. By faith, Joseph trusted that God was going to redeem his people, even if he didn't see it in his lifetime, and so he said, take my bones with you when you go, because I want to be a part of it. I know you're going to do it, even if I don't see in my lifetime. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. I bet those guys didn't believe that walking around those walls were going to make the walls fall down. And so it's about being a people of faith that even when God tells you to do something, you can see in the spirit what's going to happen. Even if in the natural you go, in, that is flipping ridiculous. There's no way that's going to happen. There's no way this situation is going to come right. But this hall of faith, God really spoke to me, isn't reserved for the ancients. God wants to raise up a people with the gift of faith in this place who are all in, are people that will do what God asks when it costs, are people that will do what God asks when it doesn't seem logical, when it doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do. And growing up, I asked for God to use me in the way that he did with Noah and the way that he did with Abraham. But over the years, I came to realize the same power that was at work in them is at work in us. We can have that kind of faith. By asking God for his supernatural gift of faith, we can do the same great works that they did. And if I listen to God's voice and use the power tools, I can be seeing miracles as great as the ancients. So why do we need this gift today? Well, first of all, supernatural faith can open the door to other spiritual gifts because one person can move in more than one gift and those with a complete unswerving faith in God are often used in healings and miracles and other things because they dare to believe that God's going to do those things. I've heard stories of people buying BMWs for someone else because God told them to. They didn't have the money but they believed that God would provide it, and there arises the money in a bank account. People buying houses for people, people going in and praying for the dead. That kind of faith opens the doors to all of the other spiritual gifts. So if we're asking for healing, if we're asking for miracles, we also need to ask God for a supernatural faith that these things are going to happen, because there comes a point when our own strength to believe in these things runs out, where I'm praying for someone's healing, and then I'm thinking, it's not flipping happening, Lord, come on. I need the supernatural faith to press in and say, God, I believe that you're going to do this and I'm going to keep praying until something happens. Or as James put on Facebook this week, push, pray until something happens. I used to love that on a bracelet as a kid. But secondly, for the church to fulfill this great commission, we need those amongst us who inspire us to have that kind of great faith. It makes others want to have this faith and work towards it because it strengthens the body of Christ. 
And there are many examples of people in this church who've exercised this kind of faith and inspired me to want to do the same. I've spoken about this lots of times before. Colleen's not here this morning, but Colleen came up to me once and told me that she believed God was going to heal me of epilepsy. And I kind of awkwardly smiled at her and went, hmm, yeah, amen. Went home and thought, maybe the medication will make me better. Maybe I'll learn to cope with the conditions. Maybe it'll just come right in the end. And I didn't believe at that point that God was going to heal me of epilepsy. But God really spoke to me because every time I thought about it, I had this awkward niggle in my spirit like you do when you know something's not right. And I kept being brought back to that moment where she said that God was going to heal me. And I was like, all right, yeah, God, maybe you will, maybe you will. So I got to a point where I said, you know what, God, okay, I'm with you. I believe that you can heal me of epilepsy. And I went to my consultant, and my consultant says, I no longer have epilepsy. So God did heal the epilepsy, but it takes ongoing faith because there are still effects of the medication. There are still things that I see that might make me think maybe I've not been healed, and it's an ongoing thing. But standing on that word, inspired by the faith of Colleen, who made me think maybe God will heal me, then God did heal me, and it happened. So we need those amongst us that challenge us to have faith, to say God will do it, stand on your faith. And Colleen really did inspire me and, in fact, challenged me for a lot of different situations afterwards to believe and to raise my level of faith to the same level that I believed that God would do it. You know, we hear of Andy and Jackie and going out to Spain and not knowing what God was going to do. Gail and Paul and many others that have gone out to serve God, not knowing what the cost would be and not knowing what God was going to do when they were there. And I sometimes have to go and cover lessons during the week because when some of my staff are off, if there's not enough staff, they send me and the poor kids are like, oh, great, this is worse than a supply teacher. She'll tell awkward stories or a lesson and we'll have to look at the table and pretend we care. And I had a lesson a couple of weeks ago while I was preparing this message and it was on perfect topic for preparing a message. It was on how the church is involved in mission work. So I smiled because I thought, oh, I've got loads of stories for this one. I turned up at a year 10 class, and I'd already taught that class three times that day. And they were like, oh, flipping heck, here she is again. She drives me crazy. She'll want to talk to us. And the supply teachers normally let us get on with it. And I sat down, and I really felt God say to, them, to me, show them the video of Gap Kenya. So I went on the Gap Kenya website, and I showed Paul and Gail's introduction video and what they're doing out there. And I started sharing about why they're doing it and how that links to the Christian faith and what the purpose of that is. And I thought that they'd be moaning, drawing on tables as they normally do, and they'd be doing all the normal diversion tactics that you normally do when your teacher's absent so you get away with a bit more. I looked up, and there's a classroom full of people with their mouths wide open, just going, I can't believe someone would do that for another person. I can't believe that faith would have that effect on people. And that's the point of the gift of faith. It inspires people, those who know Christ and those who don't, to want to have the same level of faith. Just listening to the stories of what Gail and Paul did, there's a room full of children who are of different faiths and no faith who wanted to do something like Gail and Paul were doing. And they started talking about in that lesson, what can we do to help? How can we raise some money? How can we get involved in what they're doing out there? And the level of faith in that room was increased to the point where they wanted to mirror that faith. So the reason for the gift of faith in this room is that those who have that supernatural gift of faith will inspire the rest of us to raise our faith to that level until the faith level in this room, as James posted with the empty chairs on Facebook, if you've not seen it, the faith level in this room is full in everyone so that we believe we're going to reach the people out there and that God's going to do great things and we're ready for it and there's nothing holding us back. 
Our world needs, especially at a time like this, a people of God that are full of faith, that say, do you know what, whatever it costs, whether it costs me my job, my home, whatever it costs, I'm all in God. And it's really, really challenging because I remember a friend saying to me when she was leading worship and there was a song that said, to the ends of the earth we will go. And she said, I can't sing this today because actually, if I'm really honest with you, if God said to me today, go to the ends of the earth, I wouldn't, I couldn't. It's not in me right now. And it's really, really easy to make all these promises to God to the ends of the earth who will go, all my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender them into your hands. But God really challenged me. Are you all in? If I said to you tomorrow, give up your job, I've got something better for you, would you do it? If I said to you tomorrow, give some of your finances, even if you need it, to this cause, would you do it? And that's the place I want to be at where I'm all in, that I say, do you know what, God? I'm going to empty myself of everything so I can be more full of you and be all in for your kingdom. Because at this time in this nation, when the world's so full of confusion, they need a church that's so full of faith. So how do we get these gifts? Well, God gives them to us because of his grace. The word in Greek is charismata. You've probably heard this a couple of times. And it means gifts that are given to us out of his grace. And he knows we need these power tools to help us build the body and reach the lost. And he chooses the right gift for the right occasion. And to some, he might give more than one. But as I said earlier, we've got the responsibility of learning how to use them and making sure that we use them responsibly. Sometimes we have to step out in a gift, as God said to me during the healing meeting, that I've already given you these gifts, but you're not making room in your life to use them. And sometimes we need to know what they are, because to step out in them, you have to have an idea of what they are. So it involves study, it involves us going away and saying, God, what is the gift of faith? God, what is the word of wisdom? What is the word of knowledge? How does it look? Because you might not know, and God might have given you this gift and been prompting you to use it because you don't know what it looks like and you don't know what to do with it. You've not recognized that call of God. So just learning about them opens up the door to using them in your life. And I've heard people say, oh yeah, God said that to me a few times. God's tried to get me to do this a few times. And when they've learned how it works and listen to other people share about how they've used these gifts. They've gone, perhaps I have had a gift the whole time and I've just not stepped out in it and I've never used it. So first of all, learn about them, as I said before. And as God said to me, I've given you the keys, open the chest. That might be for some of you this morning. The gifts are for all of us, but we need to step out and believe what God's telling us. We need to use the gift that he's given us and we need to stay charged up physically so that when we hear the leading of God, We know what we've got to do with it. We need to be listening constantly for that leading. So when do we use these gifts? Well, as a young girl, I was a bit of a moaner. It's hard to believe, I know. And on the way home from church, I was saying in the car that we used to have a minibus because my family was huge. It's quite renowned in Liverpool because we had lots and lots of foster children. At one point, there was up to 20 of us, and we had to take several cars to church. We had a family of five that we fostered, and there were already five of us. So it was a massive family, and we used to listen to scriptures on the way home, and my parents tried to keep it really biblical on the way home from church. And then there was me. He was like, I didn't like that song this morning. Kids' church this morning was a bit naff. I didn't really like how it went. Um, This person sat in my seat, and I wasn't really impressed because I couldn't see the front of church. And my brother just stopped me one day, and he said, will you shut up? Do you think church is all about you? He said, why do we go to church? What's the purpose of church? Why, in the Bible, does God ask us to meet together as believers? It's not so you'll have a right good party and a jolly good time and a lot of fun, and you'll go home thinking, 
What fun I had this morning. It's because we need to build each other up in our most holy faith. The purpose of coming together in this place is to make sure that we are making each other feel as strong as we can be to reach that community out there. So as I said earlier on, a better question when we come to church is not, what can I get out of it this morning, but how can I serve? And from that day, I was really challenged. To My brother said, why don't you start off every service with a prayer in your heart, Lord, how can you use me this morning? Do you want me to step out in a gift this morning? Do you want me to speak to someone? Is there someone that I need to come alongside this morning? And I'll be really honest, I don't do that every week. There'll be some weeks where I'm chasing Zachary around and I'm more bothered about making sure he's not getting someone's brew. But the attitude of how can I serve will unleash the spiritual power tools in our life and God will use us and endow us with those powers to strengthen this body to make sure that the spirit of God and the faith in this church is as high as it can be. And when we come to each church each week, if we surrender ourselves to God and we say, Lord, right now in this moment, I empty myself of everything that would stand in the way, fill me, then God won't fail to turn up. He's faithful as we were singing this morning and we've been gifted to serve. The whole point of these spiritual gifts is to make sure that God moves in this place and reaches this kingdom in this area. And of course, there are going to be specific situations in which we used to need, need to use each gift. You know, you might be asked to pray for healing for someone. You might be asked for wisdom in a situation. But we can regularly exercise those power tools, regardless of the situation, to build each other up and build this kingdom. Because there is nothing so attractive to this world as faith and unswerving faith. When someone's talking about yeah, God told me to go to another country to leave everything that I know and to follow him. And people are like, you would do that? That's amazing. Like, were you not worried about how you were going to pay the bills? Were you not worried about what was going to happen when you were out there? There are a room full of children that are not amazed by much. There is not much I can do. There are a very, very tricky group of year 10 students. There is not much I can do to amaze this group of people. And yet when they heard the story of Gail and Paul and what they were doing, mouths wide open, they were like, wow, that's amazing. I wonder if I could do something similar. So that supernatural gift of faith is so attractive to a world that needs something to hold on to and something to believe in. So this morning, as I come to a close, if you want God to equip you with any of these power tools, pour out your heart to him this morning. Empty out anything that stands in the way and say, God, just fill me and I'm listening and I'll step out in what you want me to do. Let's make a pledge to God in this place this morning before we leave that we are going to use our gifts, each one of us, to build this church so that we can reach this kingdom. Because if we make that pledge this morning, what a different place this church would be if every single person in the room was using a gift that God had given them to build this church. Because we can be guilty of not knowing when to speak, not knowing if we should, worrying if it's the right time. But if we ask God to use us every time we step into this building, God will unleash heaven in this place. God will unleash faith like we've never seen it before. And this morning, let's analyze our faith, because I don't know about you, but I want to be all in. All of the worship songs this morning were talking about the kind of faith that says, God, all of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. Let's analyze ourselves and make sure we're at a place that if God wanted you to move jobs, if God wants you to move homes, if God wants you to lay something down, even something that's as close to your heart as your own family, that we're willing to do it. And that's a challenge to me this morning because I want to be all in. Amen.